0: All right. Well, good morning, man. It's so good to be with you. I don't think I even mentioned, but my friend, one of my best friends, Tyler Snelson, was helped leading worship this morning. So grateful he's in town and he's a part this morning of the service and just leading us. And we're, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in multiple places. If you're, if you're new this morning, we're in a series that just started last week, so you just made it right on time. Uh, that, that you're right here when you need to be and so uh, but we're in a series called metaphors and we're talking about different metaphors that are in in the Word of God that that God attributes to himself and the writers attribute to God and one way to help us understand God in a significant way and so there's not one necessarily passage that we're going to be in today but I guess if you were to look at one theme passage it'd be John chapter 1 verse 29 John chapter 1 verse 29 you can turn there in just a moment but I want you I want you this could be a little awkward for somebody but I want you to look at your neighbor look at your neighbor go ahead and look at your neighbor and I want you to just repeat after me are you a magician because whenever I look at you everyone else disappears (laughs) oh and some of you just found a date for lunch praise God yeah, I got a couple more. I got a couple more. Tyler feels really weird because that was to my wife. But Okay, go ahead and find somebody else. It's going to be similar to what we just did. Do you know what my shirt is made of? It's made of boyfriend material. Okay, I got to keep going. I know the word of God is important. We're going to get to it. Okay, one more. Stop, I know. One more, one more. I got, I got a whole list here. Are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. And y'all want to know how I got my wife right there, you know, saying cheesy pickup lines. All these are metaphors, metaphors. A metaphor is a figure of speech in which a word or phrase literally denoting one kind of object or idea is used in place of another to suggest a likeness or analogy between them. Metaphors of what we're talking about in John the Baptist in, in the book of John, he uses a metaphor attributed to Jesus. and he says this in John 1:29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, "Behold, everybody say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." John's ministry was baptism of preparation, preparing people for this very moment to be introduced to the Lamb of God, to be introduced to Jesus. And he was to introduce them to Jesus because he was the Lamb who we will find out that is to ultimately be slain for humanity. So he preaches a proclamation uh, or, or, or a preparation water baptism. And today we have a proclamation water baptism, don't we? We actually proclaimed what God has done. You proclaim it before other people. And John says this, behold, everybody say behold. Behold. Look out, get ready, watch out, fix your eyes on this one coming up because he is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is what I want to talk about this morning. The Lamb of God. Now, we don't fully contextualize what this means. However, growing up in Sunday school, growing up in church, for those who had the opportunity to do that, you, you maybe rightly appropriate what the Lamb means, but I hope today that maybe you would find maybe something else that you could attribute as you're looking at this metaphor of worship towards Jesus. But for those who didn't grow up, In the church, you have no idea really what this means. It kind of seems foreign. I mean, why would you call the son of God the lamb? Why would he be called this? The lamb of God. We're going to look through scripture and every every metaphor is rightly understood. If you can navigate through the narrative of scripture, it's hard to rightly appropriate the metaphor if you don't really know the Bible. So my hope is as we fall in love with the Bible, as we start reading it and looking at it and digesting it, some of these metaphors would become more tangible for us. But we see the lamb in the Old Testament. So your Bible is divided up into the Old Testament and the New Testament. What we would say is the the Hebrew writings and then the new writings when Jesus arrives and they're on. So in the Old Testament, in these ancient Hebrew writings, you have the Jewish people, the the Israelites, and there they are. There they are, and they are trying to make right their wrongs. How many of you love to make right your wrongs? I I know I do this quite a bit. In order to do this, there there was something that was instituted in multiple moments. You may remember in Genesis, when Adam and Eve in the garden, when they sinned, And they went to go hide, and God went to look for them. And you look at this story, and then you see that they hid themselves with fig leaves, right? They sewed up fig leaves. But what did God do? He actually covered them with animals' clothing, saying that your sin will be covered through sacrifice. There will be a sacrifice that takes place, and there will be animals' clothing that covers all your shame and all your guilt. Guilt and shame is covered by blood. Why? Because life is in the blood. Our very essence, when we talk about blood, we're talking about life. How many of you have donated blood this year? Right? You've gone to a blood donation center. And you realize that without blood, human life is impossible. It is the very life that we're talking about. And so when you read about blood in the Bible, you're looking at the the whole idea of this is life pumping through our veins this is the life that God gives us but our blood is tainted everybody say tainted tainted Tainted. it's covered with sin it's covered with with uh, corruption it's covered our life is actually not life at all it's pumping just a moment of survival but there is life that was going to be spilled out so that we could have life to the full We read about two passages in this narrative. The first one is the lamb at the Passover, the lamb at the Passover. If you remember, the the Israelites are God said, I'm going to set my people free. It's in the book of Exodus, which is talking about the great Exodus from Egypt, right? All the way into the promised land was their destination. And the Passover was this moment when God was constantly going to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go Moses was saying this to Pharaoh let my people go and Pharaoh said no you remember this so God sent plague after plague but Pharaoh his heart grew hard he had a hard heart there was moments and opportunities for him to repent and change and and, and let the people go and what were they go, being led to go to to go worship their God Let my people go so that they can go out to the wilderness so that they can worship God. But it was the 10th plague. And the 10th plague was a plague that was unlike any other. In Exodus 12, let's read it in verse 3 through 13. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb... Then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts. And the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fast and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you. On the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is the moment that's instituted as the Passover. It was the 10th plague. It was the moment that God was going to break a hard heart of Pharaoh in order to let the people go. And it demanded life, this plague. But the way to escape the death that was to come over the land was to what? To sacrifice the lamb. And the lamb's life and the blood over the doorpost and on the threshold, the the, the, the blood that was around the doorway, when death came, it would see that there's already been judgment at that house. The penalty has already been paid. And it was paid by a spotless lamb. And that family would live. And the firstborn of them would live. This was an important part of the narrative, the blood of the lamb. So they would sacrifice all these lambs. And some people would call the, 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 the faith of the Jews, a bloody religion. Because there's a lot of blood that is spilled on behalf of all the people that are there. Can you imagine all the families and all the lambs and everything that was done? And yet it was in this moment that God moved and, and the lamb was this means of grace. Everybody say grace. The blood of the lamb was grace for the firstborn in the house. And it was also sustenance. Everybody say sustenance. It was enough for them to be able to eat so that when God said it's time to leave, they could go on their journey. You see, God gave them grace and he gave them sustenance for what they needed. This is what the lamb does. The lamb gives you grace and he gives you daily bread so that you can live on, so that you can move throughout your day. In order to pass through what God has called you to pass through, there needed to be a Passover. There must have been a Passover, this moment that God would allow so that you could pass through in order to go to the promised land. The second thing we look at is the lamb as atonement in Leviticus 1, 1 through 4. This is another book, Leviticus, the book of the law. It's a book in the Pentateuch, the first five chapters of the Bible. It says in verse one, the Lord called Moses. And spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. We see the the lamb of the Passover, and here's now the lamb of atonement. Atonement meaning it's going to pay for the sins that you have committed. How many of you grateful there's something to pay for the sins you committed? That you don't have to pay yourself the debt which you couldn't owe. This is a moment where we see what we would call limited Atonement. This atonement given over your present situation or your present circumstance. It it would be this moment where you would take a lamb and that sacrifice would atone for your sins that year. But how many of you know that a lamb was no, no true substitute for the penalty that you owed? The payment that you were to make? It was not. It was a limited atonement. I liken it to do this, is and this is maybe a, a butchered analogy, but go with me here. How many of you seen those those transplants? Have you ever seen the, those heart transplants? A heart transplant can save your life, can't it? It could sustain your life. But how many of you seen the pig transplants where they're taking pigs' hearts and putting them in people? Have you seen that? It's crazy. It's crazy what they're thinking of. Or how many of you realize, like, if you got a heart. And it wasn't just from another animal, but it was actually diseased. It wasn't perfect. You realize that your life would not sustain that long, would it? This is what what is this atonement. The atonement of a lamb was not a, a sufficient sacrifice to bring you in right standing with God for eternity. There must have been a a, a greater, a greater one for for Isaiah 53, three through seven promises of this lamb that was to come that John was talking about in verse three. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Verse four. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone, all have fallen short. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He, this moment of this prophet talking later, was a foreshadow of the Lamb of God that was to come, and he was going to be the Lamb who who was taken for you and me and for our sins And he was the debt cancellator. Everybody say debt cancellator. That's a a great name. The lamb was a debt cancellator. You see, we all owed something. We all had to pay a debt. When we sinned, humanity sinned, and we all fell short. And there was this moment of setting up sacrifice, but it was so limited, it was not to last. There must be one who who had the ability and the bank account to pay our debt. The debt that you and I owe to God is not one that we can borrow from our mom and dad. We can't borrow their faith. We can't borrow their religion. We can't borrow our way out and into heaven. How many of you know that's true? Have you, have you ever done that where, where you racked up your credit card so you call mom? Hey, mom, I need I need a favor. I need a line of credit. And of course, your mom has a limitless line of credit. I don't know how that happens, it just happens. She makes a way and she ends up going, but. The truth is, she was in debt as well. Your mom and your dad, they're in debt. We're in debt. None of us have enough in our bank account, enough in our reserves to pay our debt. The only one that did was Jesus. Jesus is the one who had an unlimited amount of funds, an unlimited amount of way because he was without blemish. Behold the lamb of God. It was a lamb without blemish that made atonement. It was the lamb without blemish that, that was, ended up being put over to, to, for the Passover. It was the lamb of God without blemish, without sin. He who, kn- who knew no sin was made sin on our behalf when he went to the cross, took our sin upon the cross. He who knew no sin is what the Bible said. So we look in this moment and we do a little flashback of last week's metaphor. Metaphor. Where we talked about lion. Remember the lion of Judah? Everybody roar. Oh, you still did it. Thanks, Tori. You know, everybody, everybody was roaring. The lion of Judah was there. And it says this in Revelation 5. And I want to I read this. I want to close with this. It says, then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scrolls? There's a John as he's getting a vision, a vision of, of what is going to happen in these last days, what is happening in the heavenlies. And it says this in verse three, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll and even look inside of it. And I wept and wept. How many of you realize that we are still weeping? That before we came to Jesus, we came to our end. We came to our moment where we wept, where it's like, how can we go on? How can we have life? How can we have eternal life? And there was weeping. And because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. This moment where we get the lion open in this, the lion who ruled. Remember the promised lion of Judah that the scepter would pass down from Judah to his children, to his children. And eventually the scepter would come into the hand of Jesus. And he did not rule how we thought he would rule. He ruled in a humble way. He ruled in a way of giving his own life so that we could have life. The lion. And then in verse 6, it flips to the Lamb of God. It says this in verse 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. A lamb looking as it had been slain. I don't know if he saw the piercing in the lamb's side. I don't know if he saw markings in the lamb's hands and feet. But it looked as though it had been slain. And in this moment, John's saying, I'm seeing two things, and it's the same person. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lion, and I'm seeing a lamb. And I'm seeing Jesus. A lion and a lamb. A metaphor for both. It's like a husband and a father. That we could have these two metaphors and take on these two moments. And then it says, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures, And the elders, the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of all of God's people. The prayers of luminous are in this bowl. The prayers of the saints are in this bowl. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation It was because you were a lamb who came, who was perfect, without blemish, and you gave your life. And you purchased them. You paid their debt. The one they couldn't pay themselves. And in verse 10, you have made them to be kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then alert and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders In a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise then i heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might Forever and ever. The lamb. The lamb who was slain. A physical lamb was sacrificed so that the angel of death could pass over. And it was a foreshadowing of the moment where the actual lamb of God would show up on the scene. And he would be slain and his blood would be spilled. And it was all the blood that was needed to pay our debt. There would not be any other drop of blood shed. It was his blood that made away the atonement, the sacrifice that he gave so that we could have life, so that our blood could become living blood, so that our life could be life, so that we could have a rightful place and a rightful seat. We are every tribe, tongue, and nation. We're the ones who are singing, and we're joining in the new songs that are being sung. We're singing. And so when we hear all these songs, and we sing about the lion and the lamb like this morning, our God is the lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Are you washed in the blood as a whole hymn? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Forever is another song we sing. Hallelujah, the Lamb has overcome. The Lamb. 1 Peter 2, 24, and I'll close it with this. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed he makes a way so what do we do with this this moment, this picture, this story this narrative, as we see the lamb we see that our sins are paid for that he made a way I want everybody to grab their phone right now if you would, if you brought it if you didn't, that's okay And I want you to just snap a shot of this picture, this picture of a lamb. And my prayer this week is that you, as you reflect on the lamb of God, the lamb who paid for all the names in that book, the lamb who's worthy to take the scroll. As you reflect on the lamb this week, I'd love for you to look at that picture. your response be worship maybe it's a song maybe it's a word of gratitude but could we be thankful that the lamb was slain for you and for me i want to pray for you would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning when we see the lamb we should see jesus As I was praying through the sermon this week and praying for you and me when I pray I normally see Jesus on the cross but this metaphor was so alive that I started to see a lamb the lamb which was Jesus behold the lamb of God All that we need, all that we have is because he made a way. Jesus, I thank you for your church this morning. I thank you for this great metaphor, a metaphor for us so that we can give to you. Bless your church. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Let's give God a big hand this morning. Would you stand with me this morning so we get ready to dismiss? Church, love you so much. Grateful that you take the journey down to watch baptisms and the journey back up to hear the word of God. I pray that you are blessed and encouraged this week in every way. There's one thing, or a couple things I want to say. If you have not turned in your Operation Christmas Child box you can do so at the resource table outside. And we'd love to send those off to the children that we've been sending them to. I believe this week or next week is the last week for those. Then also, if you need prayer for anything this morning, I just want to encourage you to come down to these light poles and come get prayer this morning. We love you so much. Be blessed. Have a great week.